1 Samuel chapter 8. When Samuel was old, he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. His sons didn't walk in his ways, but they turned away after dishonest gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel to Ramah. They said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons don't walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like the other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. Samuel prayed to Yahweh. Yahweh said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people and all that they tell you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me as king over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, in that they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they also do to you. Now therefore listen to their voice. However, you shall protest solemnly to them and shall show them the way of the king who will reign over them. Samuel told all Yahweh's words to the people who asked him for a king. He said, This will be the way of the king who shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them as his servants, for his chariots and to be his horsemen, and they will run before his chariots. He will appoint them to him for captains of thousands and captains of fifties, and he will assign some to plough his ground and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war and the instruments of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, to be cooks and to be bakers. He will take your fields, your vineyards and your olive groves, even your best and give them to his servants. He will take one tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants, your female servants, your best young men and your donkeys and assign them to his own work. He will take one tenth of your flocks and you will be his servants. You will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you will have chosen for yourselves, and Yahweh will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, we will have a king over us, that we will be like the other nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of Yahweh. Yahweh said to Samuel, Listen to their voice and make them a king. Samuel said to the men of Israel, Everyone, go to your own city. Israel wants to be like the other nations. They want a king. Now, God wanted them to not be like the other nations. Do you remember way back in Exodus, we were reading things, you know, like commands that the Lord was giving to Israel, like, don't cook a goat in its mother's milk, and strange things like that. And when we dug into them, we found out that these were things that other nations did, and God wanted them to, to be different. God wanted them to do things to not be similar to those other nations. There were so many things that God wanted them separate from, and especially their religion, but also he didn't want them to have a king. He was their king. And so God didn't want them to be the same. He wanted them to be different. And um, one of the things about that is that if Israel had actually done what the Lord wanted and had actually followed the Lord's ways properly, they would have been very different. Now let's imagine for a moment a hypothet hypothetical scenario where Israel does the law, follows the law exactly as the Lord had planned. So let's say 
They come into the land that the Lord has given them, and the first thing they do is they completely destroy all the inhabitants of the land and remove it so that there's no other influences there. They're not tempted by other gods, other ways of life, other religions. Instead, it's just the Lord only. So there's the beginning place. So there's a difference. But then they, you know, they start keeping the land. They allow a margin around their crops for the poor. Um, every seven years, they let the land rest, so the land gets its natural fertilizers. There's no added fertilizer like what we have today, but the land has a break. So the land, over the long period of time, is much more fertile. Poor people are cared for, because there's crops left for the poor. There's a system of redeeming the land. There's a system of rest. So all the things that the Lord has put in here, the, the, the type of justice that there is, the fact that they're not killing their children like the other tribes. So over time, if they follow the law properly, there's no poor people. Over time, they're prosperous. They have many children. Over time, they become richer and richer. Their economy does well. They grow better crops. And so as the other nations look at them, they notice something. That this nation is doing really well, and it's all because of their Lord, and it's all because of their law. And so the nation, by simply doing nothing other than obeying the Lord, they become a huge witness in the whole earth. They become like a light that shines the glory of God in the whole earth. But guess what? They want to be like the other nations. They don't want to be like the way God wants. They don't want to follow the law. They want to have a king, despite the fact God said not to have a king. They don't want to give their land rest every seven years. They want to sacrifice their children to Baal like the other, neighbors, the other neighboring nations are doing. They don't get rid of all the other people around them. They're tempted to get into sexual immorality. So they're really very, very similar to all the other nations. And we get here to this chapter where they say, we want a king, we want to be like the other nations. And it's like, uh, now God obviously already knew that this was going to happen. But if God was a human, it'd be almost like, huh, I give up. And Samuel is grieved because Samuel gets a bit of a sense of it that God just says, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. So it's hugely disappointing. But here in the modern time, you know, here we are thousands of years later. You know, we're like 3,050 or 3,100 years later and we're thinking to ourselves, well, you know, God was their king, but we, we kind of look back on it like he wasn't a real king. We think of him as kind of like a virtual king, like a, you know, a figurehead. You know, like here in Australia, we've got the queen, right? But she's not really a queen. She's not even here. She's in England. She's just a figurehead. No, but see, that's just our modern, weak way of thinking. No, God was a real king. The kings that they ended up having were like a king like the other nations. But the Lord was a real king, and he was with them. The Lord was the one that brought them out of Egypt. No one else could have done that. No king could have done that. The Lord was the one that established them. He gave them the law. He gave them his ways. He set them up in the land. He, the Lord did all of these things. While they walked with him, they had not only a king, they had a real king. They had such a real king that the other kings of the nations around them were like shadows in comparison. We look back on it and think, oh, having God as your king as a kind of a figurehead, we think of it's like a virtual thing or symbolic. It wasn't symbolic. It was the type of kingship they were supposed to have. And it's the type of kingship we have in the body of Christ 
Remember, it's the kingdom of God. He's our king. It's the type of kingship we have if we follow the Lord properly. The problem is that we... <coughs> Excuse me. The problem is we still struggle today too in many, many ways. Samuel tries to warn them, and um, but of course they're not warned. Samuel tells them, you know, to listen, but they don't want to listen. And this is a problem that the people of God have always had. Way, way back at Mount Sinai, they didn't want to listen. They just said to Moses, you go and listen. So it's always like the prophet that's doing the listening, but not the people. But we want to be different. This is what the prophet Hosea had to say. A long, long time later, in Hosea chapter 13, verses 10 to 11, he said, you know, and he, he's speaking, but it's God speaking. I will destroy you, O Israel. Who can help you? Where is your king to save you? Where are your princes to defend you? Those of you who said, give me a king, I have given you kings in my anger, and I will take them away in my wrath. And so there's this process here where, yeah, they get given a king, but it comes back to bite them, and the Lord's really angry about it. And in the times to come, the king, the line of the kingship of Israel is shut down, the physical one anyway, but the spiritual line of the kingship of Israel results in Jesus on the throne, permanently on the throne, king forever. Now that's the real king that Israel was always intended to have. So what about you? Do you have a king? What type of king do you want in your life? Do you want a king like the nations around you? You know, do you want to to uh, be ruled by the things that this world loves? Or do you want to have uh, the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lords, Jesus Christ? Is he your King? Heavenly Father, forgive us that we have worshipped and followed the things of the world around us. That the things which the nations have, we've wanted to be like them. But we haven't wanted to be separate or different. Lord, that worldliness has gotten into us and so often we don't even know the extent of it. Forgive us, Lord, our sins. Help us not to be worldly like the Israelites were, wanting to be like the nations around them. Help us, Lord, to be like Christ, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.